even in the beginning, there was a debate. The first temptation was over, like, what do you eat and what do you not eat? And challenging God on, on what he gave for food, and the enemy was there to, to stir it up. And we know where that all ended up. So some of us still, we're in those choices about stewardship. It's not about legalism anymore. It's not about you eating the right foods to make yourself holier, per se, but it's about taking care of the temple, amen? It's about stewardship, not legalism. 1 Corinthians 9, don't you know your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? Read the yellow with me. You're not your own, for you're bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. One other, one author, he, he said this, millions of TV viewers love watching American pickers and pawn stars. Anybody ever do that? Because it's fun to guess how much old items are worth. The owners often think something they own is more valuable than it really is. But the reality is something is only worth whatever someone else is willing to pay for it. You may think your house is worth more, but it's really, really only worth what a buyer is willing to give you for it. God has never made a person he didn't love. If you want to know how valuable, valuable your life is to God, then look at the cross. With his arms outstretched, nailed to the cross, Jesus was saying, this is how much you, you are to me. I love you this much. I'd rather die than live without you. You are priceless. Now, if you're worth dying for, don't you think God wants you to take better care of yourself? If you bought a million-dollar racehorse, would you feed it junk food and keep it up all night? Of course not. You would protect your investment. And the fact is, Jesus has made an investment in you. He paid for your life with his life, and he wants us to take care of this investment. Amen? Amen. The other promise we looked at last week is this. Where may God himself, the God who makes everything whole and holy, holy and whole, make you holy and whole, put you together, spirit, soul, and body, and keep you, let's read the yellow together, and keep you fit for the coming of our master, Jesus Christ. The one who called you is completely dependable. If he said it, he'll do it. So he wants us to be fit spiritually. He wants us to be fit emotionally. Scripture says, beloved, I wish above all things that you'd prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. So he wants our mind, will, emotions healthy. He, he wants us growing, taking ground in those areas of life because he wants to give us abundant life. Amen? So again, I'm not, I'm not sharing these things to be legalistic. Uh, I, I'm sharing them, hopefully, that'll help inspire us and, and stir us about the whys. This is why I need to do it. Today, we're going to talk a little bit deeper about the how-tos. In the book of Daniel, I know we, we throw the term around Daniel fast. Some of us, when we're seeking God in prayer in the beginning of the year, this thing about a Daniel fast. But that Daniel fast was really rooted in Scripture about the prophet Daniel who, who had convictions concerning like what he was going to eat and the example he was going to live and uh, protecting his body, spirit, soul, really the whole package, the whole thing, because they, are, uh, they were Hebrew children. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were Hebrew children. They were taken captive in ba Babylonian captivity by King Nebuchadnezzar. And uh, King Nebuchadnezzar put out a decree. He said, I want you to go to these captives, these Hebrew children. Bring me the good-looking guys, the strong guys, the ones that have wisdom in them, in them. I want you to bring them to me, and you, head of the eunuchs, you're going to train them. Well, so Daniel's part of that group, and he shows up for the training. But this is what Daniel said. 
Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. So Daniel said to the steward whom the chief of the eunuchs had set over, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, those are the Hebrew names for Shadrach, uh, Meshach, and Abednego. Daniel said, please test your servants for 10 days and let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. And at the end of 10 days, their features appeared better and fatter in the flesh than all the young men who ate the portion of the king's delicacies. Thus the steward took away their portion of delicacies and the wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables. And for these four young men, God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. And it went on to say that Daniel, I don't know if I put the last passage on there. No, Daniel went on to serve. He, he served under four different kings because of the favor of the Lord on his life. And, and this is why. This is why. Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. I, I don't know what a uh, pagan Babylonian king would be eating. Maybe he's eating at Porky's Barbecue, and he invites Daniel and his boys to come and eat pork. And Daniel said, no, according to the law, according to the rules that God gave us, I'm going to eat what's kosher. I'm going to eat certain things. Whatever that diet was, Daniel purposed in his heart that he didn't want to be defiled. Anybody know what the word defile means? In, in biblical? What's that? Polluted. Polluted. That's a good definition. What's another, what's another name, a word for defile? What's that? Violate. Good. Dirty, to be dirty, okay, polluted, to be dirty, to be, uh, you know, um, violated on the inside. But there's another term for the priesthood. Uh, to be defiled means that you weren't capable of service. You disqualified yourself from God's service. And so because of this, D Daniel says, okay, I'm in captivity. I'm in a strange land. My buddies are with me. The king wants to train us to do this. He's catching us up. This is what everybody else is eating. This is what everybody else is drinking. This is the wine. They're partying. Whatever they're doing, God's got something different from me, and I don't want to be defiled from that. I don't want to be discounted from what God wants to do in my life. I don't want my appetites and what I'm eating and what am I putting in my body, my other appetites, I don't want the, my appetites con to control what God wants to do in my life. Does that make sense? And so choices were made. And he said, God, you got to give me a plan. Now, I don't know what vegetables they had access to, but somehow in his heart, he said, God, you got to give me another plan, a different diet. I don't want to eat like everybody around me. I don't want my appetites to be dictated by everybody around me. God, I, I, I need a plan, and my why is you have a different purpose for my life, that I'm not just going to chow down and, and do what everybody else is doing. God, I need a plan for your, my life and, and my diet. And so he did it. He ate vegetables and water. Not sure what those were, but in 10 days only, the king, the chief eunuch, could tell a difference. Now, the, the blessing of God and the favor of God came on him because of that obedience. And I don't know about you. I want the favor of God in my life. How about you? I, I've, I've lived seasons where it just seems frustrating, like I'm just pushing against and swimming against the tide, and everything seems challenging. And then I've been in seasons of life where you make one people give you fresh idea, person you need, and the things come together.
and there's a network involved, and people give you fresh ideas, and things start getting momentum, and you feel the provision come. Like the blessing of God is over those things. And, and, and Daniel, for whatever reason, even in the beginning was in, when he was in captivity, he said, I'm going to do things different because I want the favor of God in my life. I want to control my appetites because I want the blessing of God in my life. And I, and I pray that would be one takeaway for us this morning. Amen? So regarding a plan, everybody needs a plan. And there's some things that are, you know, because we have different body types, we have different blood types. There's, there was a book out several years ago that was eating for your blood type. I don't know if anybody tried it. Shadrach was doing it in Kenya. He and I were talking. It was having great results there for him. But there's, it might have great results here. It's just not in Kenya. Sorry, Rick. But... Uh, but, but, you know, there's different diets, different plans that work. You got to find something that works because if, if, you, if you can't adapt to it and I can't adapt to it, you're not going to stick with it. And so I've probably lost 100 pounds over the last five years and I've gained most of them back. I'm, I'm, I'm a little down now, but I, I know how that works. If you can't do something that's sustainable, if you can't find an exercise program that's sustainable, that's why we need to pray and ask God to give us individual plans that we can walk out to stay healthy. Amen? And so I've invited some people to come up this morning to, to share that. John Evans, Rita Mills, Grant Names, Nita, I don't know if Tom, Tom, I got kind of us mixed up in first service and second, and then I had, had Lori, I thought Tom, you and Lori were going to be in first service, but John and Rita and Grant and Nita, can, how many chairs we got up here, can, can you come up here, and uh, Lori, did you, are you here, Lori, did you come this morning? Okay, Lori, do you want to come? So look, for the sake of time, I know some of us, we might have to cut it a little shorter because there are several of us up here, but we just, we want to talk about the plan and the things that God, sorry, Nita, that God started revealing or showing you on how to take care of ourselves. I'll leave this here. Some of you might need notes. And uh, that you would be able to just kind of tell us about your plan and how your plan developed. I know some of you I picked because you're up here for different reasons. Some of you were fighting health issues. Grant, you and me, we, we'll talk about your story when you come up. But John, you want to lead off again? And uh, this is John Evans. And uh, so I'm going to turn it over to you, John, and tell us your story. Okay. Am I good here? Uh, before I forget, because uh, I probably will if I don't read it right now. So I want to read the definition of stewardship, because we've been talking about that, and I, I was sort of surprised when I actually read the definitions. Uh, it says, uh, the responsible overseeing and protection of something worth caring for and preserving. <clears throat> and I know in this day and age, we think a lot about stewardship of our kind of physical environment around us, uh, but I don't think we actually think as much about uh, stewardship of, like what Mike was saying, you know, kind of the only body that we have. And so that really, uh, I think, calls into question on a personal level whether or not we're worth taking care of. And so um, what I'd like to do is share a little bit just what I've found, I guess, sort of the, the plan for me individually, kind of some of the tools, the tips, the tricks that I've used. But, 
Mike also mentioned uh, that what we've been talking about prior today is a little bit of the why. And I believe that for all of us, it's really important to delve into the why a little bit. And the reason being that the personal why of why we think we should uh, take care of ourselves. And the reason for that is because we all obviously only have so many hours in the day. We have competing interests for our time in our lives. I remember back especially when I was the parent of young kids and it never felt like there was enough hours in the day. And as I would think about, oh yeah, I'm gonna go out and exercise. You know, number one, I'm completely exhausted. And number two, it's like, you know, there's stuff I gotta do. So is, is there, should I really be taking the time to kind of quote unquote, invest in myself or, or take care of myself. And I think with whys, when we think about them and work through them, we end up either granting ourselves permission to do something or not granting ourselves permission to do something. And if you haven't really given yourself the permission to do something, you will not do it for very long because there's just too many other things, you know, calling out to you to, uh, to do something differently. So po point of that is for me personally, uh, as I look back before and then right now of what my whys are as far as trying to make uh, my physical health uh, something that I view as part of the balance of my life, there's, there's two main things that I think about. And one of them had to do with the fact of that I had kids later in my life. Uh, I got married in my mid-20s, but my wife and I didn't have kids until I was in my mid-30s and late 30s. And so there was kind of this wake-up call of, oh my gosh, I'm already kind of old, <laughs> and I have young kids, and I want to do stuff with them. I want, I grew up backpacking, I grew up doing all kinds of stuff. I want to be able to play baseball with my son, I wanted, as it turned out, I played baseball with my son and my daughter. She played baseball. Uh, and I want to go backpacking with them and camping. And so I had a list of things that I wanted to do with my family. And I also began to understand myself enough over the course of time that I realized, like, why I like to go backpacking. When I go backpacking, it is one of the most soul-refreshing things that I do in my life, and I wanted to be able to continue to do that. So that started off being one of my strong whys, was just being able to continue to do the things that I wanted to do. The other thing that I've thought more and more about, and just so you know, I turned 60 a couple months ago. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm yeah, yeehaw. And I would love to have at least another 20, if not 30 plus years hanging out. And one of the reasons for that is I finally feel like at this stage of my life, I've figured some things out. Yeah. And <laughs> Mike mentioned, uh, at least in first service last week, and I don't know if he mentioned it here too, about this older woman that he met and she was kind of like, you know, it just bugs me how, you know, once you guys, you Christians, leaders finally figure stuff out because you haven't taken care of yourself you just go ahead and die and uh and i i mean that really hit me and i thought that is such a waste of a human resource yeah <laughs> when 
God has been pushing things into our lives through knowledge and experience, we have the opportunity to then help other people's lives maybe progress faster than ours did in some areas because we know where all the dead ends are in a lot of areas, but we're not around to share that. So I actually personally feel an obligation and a duty to try to be around as much as, you know, at least cooperate with God's plan and program in my life and, you know, give myself a chance uh, to, to be around for a little longer. Yeah. So that being said, that kind of leads me to my, my uh, plan. And what I would, again, as I mentioned, you know, sort of some of the tools and the tricks that, that I have. And number one, I would say that what I have found is really helpful is to not look at uh, the process of health as a short game, but as a long game. And so what I really try to cut myself some slack on is not so much how am I doing on a day-to-day -day basis, but whether or not the trend line is going uh, where I want it to. So. I'm pretty intentional about, I don't weigh myself, but maybe once a week. And I think more about how just, you know, during the week, what I'm eating. And from an eating standpoint, my biggest tool right now is something that I discovered a couple of years ago, um, and it's called intermittent fasting. And I had sort of heard about it, and I started reading up on it, and I decided that I would try it. And I am a serial lover. And so what intermittent fasting has done for me, it, it has knocked out just with that one simple step of probably my biggest source of calories that, you know, at the end of the day, I'd look back and go, man, I wish I really hadn't eaten all that cereal. Uh, <laughs> but... So for me, what intermittent fasting is, just the, those of you that are not familiar with uh, the definition, it, it can mean a, a bunch of different things. But for me, it is eating food within an 8 to 10-hour window every day. And so this, the simple definition for, for me is just I just don't eat breakfast anymore. And I did not know how that would work out. And I have a job where I actually have to think and uh, have – you know, reasonable thoughts and conclusions. And I'm like, oh my gosh, if I'm just going through some blood sugar low and have headaches and stuff like that, that is not gonna work for me. I have found that that has not been the case at all. I try real hard in the morning to just stay hydrated, but I am not hungry really until lunchtime rolls around most days. Um, I'll drink like an iced coffee first thing in the morning Studies say that our bodies actually really want to take a break from processing food. It rests, um, you know, our digestive as well as other systems in our body. And there's more and more studies that just show that, you know, just giving yourself a break um, is, uh, is overall a, a positive thing. But for me, aside from the kind of the quote-unquote health benefits, it is a calorie, it's a, just an automatic calorie reducer. The other thing that I have done um, 
and I don't do it all the time, but I do do it sometimes, is I actually track calories. And I have a phone that I can write on, actually, it's one of those, uh, those Galaxy Notes. And I have a little grid where I just go, and I used to carry a little notebook around, and now I'm you know, all high-tech and everything. But uh, I just go, okay, you know, I just had lunch, and if I just sort of ballpark, you know, how many calories did I just consume? I'll just, oh, that was 700, that was 800, and I just write it down. And what it helps me do is it helps me to be able to look at something and remember that, oh, I, I'm at a 2,300 calorie day right now, and it's, you know, and I'm, a, I'm just finished dinner, and I maybe if I'm trying to keep it below 2,500, I really don't want to do the dessert right now. And what I really find is if I don't track things occasionally, it's really easy for me to do sort of those add-on items that when you add them up, it's like that was a thousand calories of add-on that I wasn't even really paying that much attention to. So the, uh, the calorie tracking uh, is helpful. The other thing that I do that has been very helpful for me is I just use one of these things. I mean, my watch has a step counter in it. And what that does more than anything is it just reminds me to get up and move sometimes. So I'm very fortunate. I, I live close to where I work. I walk to work most days. Uh, you know, there's times where you can go, well, you know, I'll take the stairs. I won't take the stairs. I'll just things that a, a little reminder that you always have with you that is an encourager to just just move at the points of time where you could either decide to move or not move. The other thing that for me personally, and again, I think, and, and this is what I think is wonderful about the fact that we actually have the living God living in us. We have a counselor in the form of the Holy Spirit that God knows we're all unique, that he has a path forward for all of us that is custom tailored to us and what he wants us to do is just to ask him to reveal over the course of time what that plan for us is and give us the strength that we need to cooperate with, with that plan. And so for me, one of the things I have found that helps a lot in just getting to where I want to go is I call them, well, the, the term that gets thrown out sometimes is BHAG big, hairy, audacious goals. And for me, what that tends to be is something that's usually six to 12 months down the road that I look at and I go, okay, that's like, that's sort of a big reach right now. But what that does is that then encourages me and helps me tailor all the intermittent, small incremental steps that I need to take to try to get there. And I have set some of them, and I have failed in them. And I have reevaluated afterwards and either adjusted or recommitted to, uh, you know, to going after it like the next year. But for me, the goal is really a, provides very much of an incentive to uh, formulating a, a workable plan for myself. So Tell us where you just were, John. That was a okay. huge right. this audacious yeah. goal. That was pretty cool. This was a Evans family bucket list item, and it was also a goal. But um, 
So my wife and I, uh, who were both backpackers, and then my kids are too, because they grew up in a backpacking family. Um, young adult kids, there's four of us. My daughter's in grad school. We thought, she's got this Christmas break. This might be the last time that we get to do something like this. But we ended up going backpacking in Patagonia over the, um, the Christmas break. Where is that? Uh, that is at the very southern end of South America. Chile. So in Chile. Yeah, Chile. it's in Chile mm -hmm. and Argentina. We were in, we were in Chile. And it was a uh, it was a 75 mile backpacking trip over nine days with stuff on both ends. But for a 60 year old hauling a pack around all week, we had 12, 13, 15 mile days. You know, climbing up mountains, all that kind of stuff. That was an example of big goal, incremental steps in being able to get there. So. And it was, if you ever have a chance, whether you hike around or just see it, Patagonia is a wonderful place. Awesome. So, all right. Thank you Thank so you. much, John. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Let's see. Rita, you're next. And when Rita and I were talking about her sharing. I think I'm five minutes. We could start winding down. Okay. Yeah, you could give them a heads up on how the time's doing. That would be good because we're almost 20 after. But Rita, I, I asked Rita to share because she went through a nutritional um, change in a pursuit, fighting cancer. So go ahead, tell us, tell us your story here. So I have a lot to cover, but I will make copies for anyone afterward if you're interested. I'll make copies for anyone if you're interested. See me afterwards at the table outside. I have a lot to cover, so I'm going to talk fast. So I've been on this quest since the late 90s. I studied anatomy and physiology and nutrition first in massage school, then later at Cuesta College. During this time, I just kept reading and gathering information, taking nutrition classes, and studying the human body. When I first came to California in 99, I lost 57 pounds in seven months just by changing my eating habits to eliminate sugar and processed foods and exercising. That, that was a period of my life when I had a little bit of, uh, where I had very little stress and could concentrate on this very important priority. But this is an important point because we all live such busy lives today. Later, over the years, I gained back 40 pounds due to extreme stress, poor diet choices, and lack of exercise. I struggled for years and lost about 10 pounds, but I continued to educate myself on how to obtain optimum health. I held a health series in my home for several months, and several people from Agape and outside attended. I continued to study ways to improve the immune system and to fight cancer and other serious health challenges by watching the truthaboutcancer.com series, which I also showed in my home. When I was diagnosed with ovarian cancer in February two years ago, it, of course, rocked my world as any kind of crisis like that would. I felt like Holy Spirit had given me a message since six months before that I would go through a healing crisis and I would not die but live to help others and that it was for the glory of God. This is exactly what's been happening because I'm now cancer-free. Praise God. I followed a strict detox diet of raw vegetarian food, no meat, no sugar, no oil for three weeks. I lost 20 pounds while following this plan. However, my tumor was reduced in size somewhat at the end of the three weeks, although still quite large. I came home and reluctantly had surgery because of fear. My organs were experiencing physical stress as the tumor was 25 centimeters in size at the time of my surgery on May 16th. I wish I had been strong enough to wait and pray and let God um, reduce the tumor, but it's easier to say now in hindsight. 
I just want to point out here that fear can cause us to rush into decisions that we may regret later. After surgery, the surgeon oncologist wanted me to have 18 to 24 weeks of chemo because of the high grade of the tumor. But I knew that chemo was never going to be an option for me because of the knowledge I'd been gathering for years. Research now shows that chemo not only does not kill the circulating cancer stem cells, but it obliterates the immune system, which is the only thing that we have to fight off cancer and other diseases. People don't usually die from the cancer, but from the wasting away of the body due to the damage to the immune system. Now, I'm not knocking doctors here. I, doctors are wonderful. We have so many wonderful doctors, and we need them, and we need surgeries, and we need other medical care, but how many know the conventional model is broken? And we have other choices, and we just need to pray to God for wisdom on what those choices are before we do them and not go in fear. I, choose to go, I chose to go to Tijuana, Mexico to Biomedical Clinic, a very reputable clinic that used to have several clinics in the U.S., but the FDA closed them down. As most of you know, the pharmaceutical companies have a monopoly on drugs here, so they'll not allow any medical um, establishments to be prescribing anything natural that they cannot profit from. I followed Biomedical's six-month protocol of special tonic, herbs, and enzymes along with a modified detox diet. And this plan, along with God, healed me. Again, a detox diet works if you're sick or you need to cleanse your body. And uh, have been, I've been holding, uh, I continue to educate myself and follow protocols that made sense for me and my body. And have been holding periodic healthy cooking classes. I've been on a quest to learn how to obtain optimum health by diet and other things, which I'm blessed by Pastor Mike, to share with you today. I've been on an organic vegetable and fruit smoothie every morning. I have a small organic garden as well that's a blessing to me. More and more information is coming out now on how important it is to have a healthy immune system. It's a wall of protection from colds, flu, cancer, inflammation, arthritis, heart disease, even Alzheimer's. My immune system is still somewhat weak but much stronger than it was. I still have high inflammation, and part of the reason is from eating carbs and sugar. And I'm, I'm conv uh, confessing to you now, I'm still addicted to them, unfortunately. And I ask you to please stand in prayer with me over this. I know that obesity is the second leading cause of cancer, cigarette smoking being the first. I'm determined to one day soon be off all sugar and white flour products. So here's what I've learned that I can pass on. We have to get back to a simple diet of whole foods from the earth that God made for us. We need to model less eating less sugar both to encourage each other and to set an example for outsiders and our precious children. We can do this by offering fruits and vegetables instead of sugar and white flour products. One of the big keys to good health is to stay determined to educate ourselves. I prepared handouts to be available after the 10 o'clock service out front at the uh, table, as well as books for you to see. I have a resource list for you. A lot of the information I'm sharing today comes from crispycancer.com. If you're sick or your immune system's compromised, you could choose to follow the detox diet and consider coffee enemas. But for all of us who seek better health, here are some very important steps to help us to obtain optimum health. Nutrition is the foundation of health. If man made it, don't eat it. <laughs> eat organic when possible. I have flyers to hand out on the dirty dozen and the clean 15. Dirty dozen are the fruits and vegetables seem to, uh, deemed to have been grown and harvested with the most pesticides and should be eaten organic. Eating healthy now is much cheaper than getting sick, believe me. I like to say pay now or pay later. Drink purified water. You can add liquid minerals. 
ex, um, exercise at least 30 minutes per day. My daughter blessed me with a Fitbit, and praise God, it helps me to motivate, as John said, to walk a certain number of steps per day, two day each day and keep track of my fitness goals. Go outside in nature 30 minutes a day. Begin to lessen your environmental load where you can. Start to replace the products you put on your skin with organic products. Skin is the largest organ in the body, and it eats what you put on it. Work on replacing other chemically-laden products that you use in your home, too. Reducing your toxic load reduces your risk. I'm doing this gradually. Find a daily diet regimen that works for you. Keep it as simple as you can. Eat a big organic salad every day and eat the rainbow. Fasting is great, whether it be the Daniel fast or the intermittent fast, whatever works for you. I've fasted for as many as four days at a time with, no, uh, with just water and never felt better. Seek your doctor's advice, of course, on any of this. Take the right supplements. See a nutrition if you need help. Nutritionist. Don't eat factory-farmed meat. Grass-fed and organic free-range is best. Eat less pork and no seafood without gills, as the Bible says. There's a great series on, on the Internet called Bible Health Secrets that talks about that. The Bible tells us what we should eat and what we shouldn't. You must eliminate stress, especially stress caused by emotions and negative thought. Chronic stress affects the cortisol and adrenaline, which causes inflammation and leads to obesity. It affects your digestion, and ultimately your immune system becomes compromised. Turn off the news, eliminate toxic people, work on a plan to create a peaceful, quiet life. Don't avoid problems or procrastinate. The longer you put it off, the more stressful it becomes. This leads to self-medication and destructive behaviors such as eating sweets. Unresolved problems cause stress and even panic attacks. Facing them down is the key to reducing your stress. Learn to say no instead of automatically saying yes to everything. A major source of stress is lack of forgiveness. When I think of forgiveness, I always think of this. Harboring unforgiveness, bitterness, and resentment is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Let go of a little hurt when, right when it comes up, and it'll disappear quickly. If you have a sick heart, you're going to have a sick body. Forgiveness heals your heart. It's not a feeling. It's a choice and a decision for life. You forgive them and let it go. You ask God to bless them. If you need to ask someone for forgiveness, just humble yourself and admit you're wrong. Admit you're wrong. Bless you. And ask for forgiveness. Ask God for forgiveness. Let go of fear. It's a stress-producing emotion. Give it to God. Cast your cares on Jesus. You have to stop worrying about the future and realize the future is in his hands. Eight to ten hours of quality uninterrupted sleep is critical to having a strong immune system. If you're not sleeping well, find out why and correct it. Remember the Sabbath, one day a week where you do not work and make yourself rest. I think that most of us here realize the importance of our church body, our families, and our wonderful friends that we've made here at Agape. Fellowship with like-minded people of God is such an important component of good health. Gratitude is the secret to happiness. If you get up and start thanking God every morning for everything he's blessed you with, everything will go better. Take every thought captive because you control your thoughts, and your thoughts control your emotions. If you choose your thoughts, you can choose your emotions. If you choose to think positively, that will produce happiness in your heart and your mind. Faith is choosing to believe that you're healed. Just ask God to help you believe. Repeat out loud declarations of healing every day. I have samples of some healing affirmations to show you. Declare something like, I'm healed, I'm healthy, I am well in Jesus' name. Jesus was a healer, and he's still a healer. Surrender any sin because sin creates sickness. James 5, 13 to 16 says, If you have committed sins, they will be forgiven. So confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. God is a God of restoration. 
So when faced with health challenges, you need to make faith-based decisions, not fear-based decisions. So again, pray and seek the wisdom of God. Educate yourself on your options and use the wisdom God gives you to choose what works best for you. Ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find him. Knock and the door will be open to you. Thank you and God bless you. Thank you so much. Man, there's a whole health course in there for spirit, soul, and body. That's been quite a, a, quite a journey of learning. So uh, thank you. You're going to be out at the table? Yeah, people have questions. Well, a couple more. So if, if people have covered some of those things, maybe just highlights. And who to have Grant? Come on up. Grant, you told me. This was why I talked to Grant and Gina. Gina works for us now. But I was talking to her because uh, you guys were gone for a while. You came back. You were the fitter you. And, uh, and she told me that, well, you can tell the story, but you looked in the mirror, and what did you see? I saw my uh, pear-shaped grandpa. And, uh, and I love the man dearly, but I don't want to look like him. So, so I went to my wife, and uh, I'm a pretty simple guy. I, I, you know, a long time ago when we were first married, we were getting ready for vacation, and we went on this diet where you had to count peanuts in the morning and eat at certain times of the day and all this stuff. And after about three days of that, I vowed that I would never go on a diet ever again. And uh, um, so I've tried to, you know, just exercise, stay active, and eat what I wanted, and that wasn't panning out. And so about three years ago, uh, I just, when I saw the vision of my grandpa, my pear-shaped body, I, I, uh, I just spoke to my wife, and I said, hey, let's, let's try something. Let's figure something out here. And she had uh, read a book called Trim Healthy Mama and been real excited about uh, Trim Healthy Mama. <laughs> uh, um, so she, <laughs> she was very excited about it about a year prior, and I kind of poo-pooed it and, and uh, let her give it a try. And she was all on her own, and, you know, she didn't really pan out for her. But when... When I had my realization that I needed to do something, we worked together on it. And I'm not a big reader. I'm not a big studier. I just want the bottom line. And with her help, you know, can I eat this? Yeah. You know, and she, she stepped me through it. And within probably three or four months, I had dropped a lot of weight and dropped a couple pant sizes and, and uh, started feeling a lot better. Um, we water ski. I was getting out of the water easier. I could ski further. I could see better. You know, there's benefits. And uh, that's been three or four years, and we've kept at it and and been successful at it. And that's where what Pastor Mike was saying, you need to find what works for you, something s sustainable. Counting peanuts and eating them at 9 o'clock in the morning, not sustainable for me. But... Uh, and I tell people too, with with this particular one, I'm not pushing it, but some of the some of the recipes, you know, if I decided to become a sumo wrestler tomorrow, I would still eat some of the food that's offered in that book. So that's that's basically it for me. Short and sweet. It's it's a series of books, but it's Trim Healthy Mama. Who's the author? Gina will know. Gina will know. Yeah. Thanks. 
You know, when you told me that you lost it and you kept it off, to me that was the key, that you were able to keep it off because many of us will, will go after it for a while and then when, whoo, the diet's over and then creeps, creeps back up, yeah, you look great. Thanks. Thanks for sharing. Nita, you talked to me about a plan, kind of a quick plan that you were going, or a, a simple plan. So. Well, I'm, I'm kind of a practical person, and I don't diet. I don't really know how to diet. So um, I kind of allow myself to eat whatever I want. Um, because if I tell myself not to eat something, I, I crave it and I want it. So then it drives me nuts. So I don't do that. So what I find that works for me mostly is portion control. And I have um, a great ability to keep my portions to something that is maintainable. Um, for example, they make fun of me at work because I'll buy a candy bar and I'll eat it for like three or four days. So, like, if you get a Kit Kat, those break off easily, so you can eat one or two of the little things and save the rest for tomorrow. So, I still have my chocolate, and I satisfied my sweet tooth, but I didn't eat the whole candy bar. So, I only got 80 calories instead of the 120, which add up. So, um, the other thing that's practical is when you go to the grocery store, what we do is, is um, shop in the perimeter, Avoid the aisles because the perimeter is kind of where all the healthy stuff is. You know, you've got your fresh meats and your vegetables and your fruit. And don't go in the middle aisle where there's the sodas and the chips and that kind of stuff. Um, we don't eat out of a box very often. So we don't make things, things out of a box. Okay. Like you don't, you know, you don't buy rice-a-roni. You don't um, buy processed potatoes. Make your own mashed potatoes. Um, I don't use margarine. I go for butter. I mean, because um, margarine is just something that your body can't process. Your body doesn't recognize it. And if your body doesn't recognize it, it doesn't know what to do with it. And so it becomes abnormal. So you don't want to eat that kind of stuff. I'm not, you know, I, go, I try and do organic, but I'm not like, oh, if it's not organic, I don't eat it. Like, I'm not to that point. Um, I also try and eat off a smaller plate. So if your plate's a little smaller, you're not going to pile the food on. If you have a bigger plate, you're going to put good, more on it. Good hint for and Super Bowl parties yeah, today. And, Take and, the little and plate. Also, the other thing is to keep it to one layer. Keep it to one layer. Don't pile up your plate. Keep it to one layer. If you keep it to one layer, then you don't eat as much. Um, I also try to eat a little slower. So it takes about 20 minutes for your brain to tell your body that you're full. So if you're shoveling food in really fast, you're going to be stuffed by the time your brain realizes you're full and you've overeaten. So if you slow down, enjoy your food. And I enjoy food. Believe me, I, oh, my gosh. Um, anyway, um, I enjoy food. So if you slow down, then your brain will tell your body you're full and then stop. At that moment, either pick up your plate and put it in the sink, or if you're at a restaurant, have the waitress or waiter take it away, or I had a friend, actually Nisi's mom, would um, dump a bunch of salt on her food, or take her drink and dump it on her food. That way she doesn't eat it, because you sit there and you talk, and if you're friends and you know, you're talking, next thing you know, you ate the whole thing, and you weren't even hungry anymore. So that's another practical thing. And then if you're trying to avoid foods, don't buy them. 
If you have them in your house, you're more likely to eat it. Even if you put it away or something, just don't buy it because you're not going to get up at 6 o'clock or 7 o'clock or 8 o'clock at night and put your clothes on and go to the store. You're just going to say, I'll forget it. So those are just things that have helped me. And exercise. Exercise, 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 whatever that may be, whether it's walking, whether it's playing in the park with your kids, just move. Our bodies are not made to be stagnant. Um, you develop blood clots. You get all kinds of weird things happening to you. The tighter your muscles are, the better your bones are in place. So the less back pain you have, the less um, trauma will happen to your body. So even if you're like a worker, like if you do manual labor, you're probably already strong. But if, I mean, I don't know, sometimes when I'm out of shape, like I've even gotten up to like reach for something and I'm like, oh, my neck is out. I don't even know why, but then I realize, oh, you know, I need to get back in the gym and get those things tightened up. So whatever that may be, whether it's lifting weights, whatever, whatever you like, like Pastor Mike says, pick something that you like and stick with it. And be practical. Don't, I don't know, I'm not an extreme kind of gal, so whatever works for you. Thank you. Practical stuff. Hopefully we're taking mental notes. Amen. Laura, you want to come on up and share what uh, you and I were talking? You gave me a little note last week about some of the practical things that you did. So go ahead and share a few of those. I'm going to try to be brief here. Hi, everybody. Um, I was a child of uh, pretty much the 1950s and 60s. And uh, that meant the standard American diet for me and my family. Um, we ate what was considered to be a balanced diet, but of course it had meat at almost every meal and uh, lots of um, Wonder Bread and uh, maybe some canned denatured vegetables and uh, plenty of desserts and um, that kind of stuff. Um, so... You know, that's how it was for those years. And uh, then uh, into the 1970s, I, I kind of um, uh, embraced the hippie lifestyle. And uh, that's when I found out about the uh, concept of a whole foods, um, plant-based diet and began shopping at my local co-op. Um, during that time, I... Uh, I learned from Adele Davis and uh, Frances Moore LaPay. Uh, she wrote a, a book called Diet for a Small Planet. And um, uh, Adele Davis wanted us to cook things at real low temperatures for a long time. And, uh, and uh, Ms. LaPay wanted uh, us to combine certain foods to make what were considered complete proteins that were equal to meat. Um, it was a little cumbersome, though. And uh, so by the 1980s, when I was raising my children and I was a new Christian, I, 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 uh, I noticed that the Bible seemed to be uh, allowing for eating meat. And um, so I thought, well, okay, um, this will be more expedient. <laughs> and uh, so I went back to the standard American diet uh, while raising my children with a little bit more uh, healthy edge, like uh, 
more fresh vegetables and um, that sort of thing. But uh, the, in the, the hippie movement uh, and reading the books that I read, I, I kind of learned that, uh, that the meat processing industry is really not so good for the planet. So, um, you know, I had that in my head all the time. Um, well, after a while, I developed uh, chronic cystitis, which is uh, a lot of bladder infections, and took a lot of antibiotic for that, hoping to make it better, which it didn't really. Um, and uh, then uh, I carried along the same path pretty much diet-wise. And um, then eventually in about 1990, uh, when was that? 1998 or so, I got bitten by a little tick. Didn't seem like much, but I thought, well, I'll, I'll take it to the doctor. And sure enough, it was uh, a deer tick, and I got Lyme disease. <laughs> it was, was I, I caught it quickly and was treated for it. Um, so uh, after that, you know, after a couple of weeks, I was okay. I was fine, back to normal. Um, but the bladder infections continued. And uh, by 2005, I got my first computer and learned all about the WWW and... Uh, learned about the raw food lifestyle, and um, went in that direction. Uh, and came across, eventually, the idea of a 92-day juice feast, where uh, one eats, consumes nothing but fresh fruit and vegetables, mainly vegetables, in juice form, four quarts a day, which wow. sounds like a lot, yeah. but it's. I learned that it was possible to um, add a little flax oil and uh, some seasonings, and that these juices would just taste like yummy soup. So it was mm -hmm. okay. Well, I made it 60 days on that uh, diet and was assured that there was no condemnation for not making it to the whole 92 days. But I, in that process, I managed to drop 30 pounds, which was needed, and um, have never had a bladder infection since then in my mm -hmm. life. Praise yeah. God. Amen. Okay. So in 2008, I found myself suddenly single. Uh, stressed out. I needed to support myself and therefore uh, took upon myself um, the job of house cleaning for people, which uh, if anybody's done that for other people multiple times a day, you know, it's very hard work. And um, during, I think probably the stress led to this originally, but um, what began to happen is that I began to not be able to sleep. 
I would be awake all night long, and then I'd have to go work. I would have to go work. And so I kept doing that. And um, my hero, Victor, in 2011, rescued me. Hmm. I married him in 2011. And uh, then the workload uh, was easier, but the sleep problems continued and got worse. So uh, Vic introduced me to a doctor he knew, Dr. Moran, who uh, did diagnostic tests and uh, ended up diagnosing me with um, Hashimoto's thyroiditis, which that is a fancy name for an autoimmune thyro low thyroid condition uh, where the body gets tricked into attacking its own thyroid. So uh, the recommendations on how to treat that were uh, diet-based. And uh, so we embarked on a, uh, a diet of uh, the paleo type, which consists of um, eating clean meat, uh, healthy fruits and vegetables that are, you know, and uh, no processed food, no grains, um, no beans or legumes. And we more or less stayed on that for uh, the next few years and into fairly recently. Uh, but, um, you know, whenever we would find ourselves uh, not conforming to the diet completely, uh, you know, getting into some grains and uh, or beans or you know, stuff like that, carbs, basically, um, the scale would tell the tale. Mm. So, uh, so we were aware that those carbs seemed to be not that helpful for us. So when, um, when Agape had uh, the season of fasting and prayer at the beginning of this year, um, we entered into the Daniel Fast uh, concept of uh, basically eating fruits, vegetables, nuts, and seeds. And lo and behold, we found our waistlines gradually shrinking. <laughs> mm. and, and we felt good. So um, this is pretty much how we're continuing. Now that the actual fast part of it is over, I am starting to add in a few uh, pseudo-grains like buckwheat, um, quinoa, mm. in small amounts, and uh, some beans and things like that, but not great amounts of them, and, and we're watching how that goes for us. So that's pretty much it. Um, a dear pastor friend of mine from my former town of Eureka told me about a book by a man named Michael Greger, uh, Dr. Michael Greger. And uh, he wrote a book called How Not to Die, hmm. which was very helpful to my pastor friend. And so I got the book. Or I, you can, I, I listened to it on audio. And uh, it was, I liked you know, what he had to say. And I learned he had a cookbook. So I got the cookbook, the How Not to Die cookbook, 
It is full of beautiful photos, and the recipes are very good. But what's nice about them is that they are made with simple, normal ingredients. There's not a bunch of exotic stuff in here. So I'm going to be out there, and if anybody wants to come talk about food or have a look at this book, you may do so. Thank you. Laura. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. How Not to Die. I like the title. <laughs> I think it's a good goal. Stand with me if you would. Well, so you've heard a variety of just different people's journeys and stories, and uh, the, the goal is to really hear from God concerning our own well-being, our own plan, and hopefully we'll be inspired to the why, to take care of ourselves. Amen? To, I don't know if I'll ever get to hike Patagonia, but... Uh, I, I have goals, too, that I want to see fulfilled, and so we want to live to carry those out. Amen? And as far as coffee enemas, I don't know about that. <laughs> Just tease. Just kidding, Rita. Sorry. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you want us healthy. Thank you, God, that you want us healthy spirit, soul, and body. And I know there's stories in this room. I've been walking it out with Mike Robeson as he's beating diabetes. I've seen you change bodies and heal bodies spiritually, supernaturally, quickly. And I've also seen you work through dealing with us about habits and uh, maintaining our health. And I just thank you, Father, for the ability to take ground, that we could grow in this, that we wouldn't be just haphazardly with it. Remind me too, Lord. I go through seasons of control, self-control, and the seasons of just, uh, I feel the flesh uh, wanting to run my life and the refrigerator calling my name. And so I thank you, Lord, for just helping us with plans, helping us with personal plans, workable plans to stay healthy, spirit, soul, and body. And we just give you praise for that in Jesus' name. Amen.